Hey Team Fairchild and everybody else out there listening, welcome to another Refuel Team Fairchild episode. You guys know the drill, we're always looking for ways to increase connectivity amongst the community. Every episode we'll be reaching out to members around the base willing to share their stories of leadership, followership, some resiliency stories, some examples of failure and success, and so much more. So let's get this chapter going. Alright, welcome to another episode of Team Refuel Fairchild. Today I'm sitting here with our new command chief of the 92nd Air Refueling Wing, Chief Master Sergeant Daniel Guzman. How are you doing today, Chief? Doing pretty good. The sun's out. Uh, spring's rolling in, so life is good right now. As you can imagine, we stay pretty busy getting after, you know, taking care of airmen, taking care of mission, and uh, making it our culture that we all want to be a part of here at Team Fairchild. So I know you just got here kind of in the height of snow season for us. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your story prior to getting here? Yeah, my story doesn't include any snow. Uh, I grew up in the Dominican Republic and uh, I spent the first part of my life there. And then, you know, a big part of it was spent in Miami, Florida. We moved there when I was 11 years old. Uh, uh, my mother, brother, sister, and me, I'm the oldest of the three. Uh, that's where I grew up. That's where I went to middle school and high school before joining the Air Force and uh, back in 1997 uh, and I've been off to the races ever since uh, started off at Shaw Air Force Base and then moved along to Osan, Davis Mountain, uh, Lodges Field, Lake and Heath, uh, came back to the States uh, back in 2015 and headed to Langley for a year where I worked in the 480th ISR wing headquarters staff doing some uh, skiff life behind the scenes in Intel Moved on to Eglin for about two years. Uh, I was deployed for about seven months of the two-year time period, and then I uh, we rolled out to Ramstein. Uh, Ramstein was my last stop prior to coming here, where I worked at headquarters USAFF Africa as the command first sergeant. Uh, pretty cool job. Uh, I had to travel all over the command. Got to uh, be the key advisor to our, our MAGCOM command chief, uh, Chief Easton and Chief Blaze uh, during my tenure there and to, uh, in essence, uh, be their key go-to person for all things uh, morale, welfare, and discipline, and first sergeant-centered. Uh, and I also got to work with all, all of our command chiefs there in the MAGCOM, making sure our first sergeants were properly staffed, trained, equipped, ready to deploy. Uh, great experience, great job, but uh, super stoked about being here at Fairchild. And the community here has been phenomenal, the embrace and the way they received us. Uh, the community, the base it's, in general, has been just a great experience. Awesome. Well, welcome again. Let's just jump right into it. So, once upon a time, you were a young airman. What what advice would you have given yourself back at your very first duty station? My first duty station at Shaw. What advice would I have given you know young nineteen year old airman basic Guzman? Basically, uh, take care of the details. Take care of the things within your control. Uh, sometimes we get overwhelmed. We start complaining about the things that we don't have. We start, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves. But you know, we don't focus enough on the things that we do have uh, that are within our control. Uh, take care of the things that are within your grasp of control, within your AOR. Put uh, on a good attitude and uh, and go out there and get after it. Uh, sometimes we get down in the dumps. Things don't go the way we want them to go, and we get too down on ourselves, and uh, we start focusing on you know, what we don't have versus what we do have uh, at hand. Um, and that would be the advice I give myself. Um, like most people, you get to your first duty station trying to find your way in the Air Force, trying to find your way in life and grow up. Um, for me, moving to South Carolina, coming out of Miami, Florida, it was a big change, culture-wise. Um, and the first couple of months were a little bit rough, I thought. You know, I wasn't, you gotta make friends, you gotta 
make connections. You got to figure out your job and get good at it. Uh, and it's easy to get kind of homesick and get down dumps. And, uh, and I wish I would have had. I did have. I was fortunate to have some people in my life at the time that were there to coach me and kind of keep me uh, motivated and kick me along. So if I could tell myself something, it would be, hey, keep your head up, keep grinding, and uh, keep focusing on the things that are within your control. Okay, yeah. Did you ever have an aha moment where you decided this is why I want to be in the Air Force and, yeah, I want to make a career out of it? Um, I had a couple of those. Really, a lot of them came when I was deployed. My first deployment was in 1999. I volunteered to go over to, uh, at the time it was PSAP or Prince Sultan Air Base. I think it just reopened recently. Um, and it was pretty cool being out there and working uh, what, I, what they used to call pickup and delivery. So my job was to, actually I did receiving too, my job was to receive everything that came into the base to the LRS, the supply squadron back then, all the aircraft parts, um, you name it. Anything that came in, I had to receive it in, inspect it, make sure it was good to go. Uh, I did that all morning, and in the afternoon I would put it up in the truck, and I would drive all day and deliver parts all throughout the base. So I got to see every aircraft, every little you know, spot on the base. I got to get familiar with everything, and, and I got to see how my parts, you know, in essence, enabled the mission over there, Prince Sultan, at a deployment environment, deployment location. So that was pretty cool. Um, First deployment, it was at the time it was 120 days. It was hot. It was over 100 degrees. You're working outside all day. I think I lost like 40 pounds at deployment because um, I was working out. I was eating better. I was, you know, staying busy doing manual labor most of the day on the job, and uh, it was a great experience. Um, it was awesome. Yeah, those were uh, good times. Being you know, 20, 21 years old, and uh, your job's pretty much to you know wake up, go work out, uh, go to work put in your good 12-hour day and then go home, go work out again and do it all over again the next day. Good times. You've had a pretty successful career. I'm just curious, have your motivations changed throughout the time or have, have you had a couple of set pillars, if you will, of I mean, motivation? I don't think, but I think it depends what stage and what season in your life you're in. Sure. Um, coming into the Air Force, um, those first four years or the first couple of years I was in as an airman, you know, I was, we were broke. You know, I came into the Air Force because I needed a job. I was tired of paying my own way through college and I couldn't barely put gas in my car. And then, um, so my motivation when I first got to Shaw was like, hey, I, I hear that if you do a pretty good job and, and you excel, that you can potentially get promoted to E4. Sure. Get below yeah. the zone early, right? Get put on, get put on E4 six months early. Uh, so really the motivation was, hey, whatever I need to do, if, if it means I have to be the best at my job and I have to do some stuff off-duty, go to school, I'll do it. You know, you're telling me that if I do these things, I'll give myself an opportunity to promote early. So I got after it. Uh, so I needed the money. I needed to get after it to provide, take care of my, uh, my family a little bit and get my career going. So why not? Uh, so that was the first motivation. And then you move on and you become a senior, an NCO and a senior NCO. And I got a lot of uh, joy and a lot of... Uh, uh, I don't know, a lot of, it was rewarding to me to see other people succeed and to coach other people to be successful, um, the people to your left and your right. And, and walking into a section or walking into a process and making it better was something that I took a lot of pride in and leaving it better than I found it. So that's pretty much been a steady motivator for me throughout, uh, not to settle for status quo when you walk into a new opportunity, not to just check the box, but to leave it better, uh, to always look to, to refine it and leave it better than you found it. Uh, the same thing when it comes to people, the people to your left and your right, the people you get to influence. I want to be the person to look back and say, you know what, that person helped me out. They were honest with me. They were truthful, and they, they coached me, and they guided me. And I'm better now as a, as a person and as an NCO 
as a professional because of their influence on me. So that's what really motivates me. I like to inspire, coach, and uh, push people uh, to be their best version of themselves. It kind of ties into the next question about defining success. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to kind of add? How do you define success, right? <laughs> you know, and some people say, "Well, I got the, I got this accolade, or I got, you know, I got this stratification, or I got this promotion." Uh, to me, it comes back to I define it as, you know, that the people uh, to my left and my right are they better off for having me around them and having me as an influence. Did um, that particular section or? or organization that I became a part of, is it better off today because of my time spent there and my work and my influence? That's how I define it. Uh, And I often tell people this, you probably get tired of hearing it, but you'll eventually move on from the military. You move on um, from, you know, whatever assignment you're at, your career will come to an end in the the Air Force, and then you got all this, you know, all all the stuff that gets handed to you, these these awards, these trophies, mementos, etc. They'll eventually end up in a box someplace and put away. But what's going to last is your influence on people, the things you did for them to make them better as people and as professionals, and the changes and things you, you made in the, whatever organization you were part of to make it a better, more efficient organization. That's what's going to last. That is your legacy. Uh, people are your legacy, in essence. Uh, the impact you had on them, whether it's good or bad. Sometimes you, you mess up as a leader and, and you come up short, and sometimes you do a good job of you know, being honest and straight with them and coaching them and, and pushing them to be at their best. So that's really uh, what I consider, you know, success, defining success. Were you a positive influence or not? Did you make it better? Did you leave it better than you found it? I agree. With success definitely comes some challenges. And we talked about you being a young airman at Shaw and trying to figure out what you want to do. I remember hearing you talk about pushing carts at Walmart (laughs) and realizing that wasn't how you want to get started. with your time in the Air Force, though, can you think of some really challenging times that ended I up? I mean, uh, you're always going to have challenging times. You have a lot of highs and a lot of lows, right? I mean, as an airman, um, it's just getting used to the military way of life. You know, it can be a challenge for a lot of us, being homesick. You know, you're, you're, you come from a place like where I grew up in Miami, Florida, where, you know, 80% of us are, you know, come from some other part of the world or, or South America or the Caribbean. and. Uh, you're, you feel like you're amongst your peeps, right? Everybody, most of us, a lot of us speak Spanish or other languages, and you feel like, hey, this is where I belong, this is where I grew up. The food here is what I like to eat. The people here, you know, have similar backgrounds to mine, et cetera. And then you go off and join the Air Force, and you're, expo- you're exposed to different things. You get homesick. Um, it's not the same. You have to adapt. And then throughout the years, right, as you meet people and you come across situations, uh, I can look back at plenty of circumstances I deal with as a as an NCO and a, as a first sergeant, you know, coming up through the ranks where you, you see people at their worst. Uh, you come across situations where you're dealing with people that are flat-out criminals or people that just make a mistake and you have to coach them and guide them through that mistake and get them out of that hole they put themselves in. Uh, a lot to mention, you know, you, and not to get, you know, too negative, but sometimes you deal with uh, people who are, who are abusive to their spouses or their kids or who are... Uh, confirmed and, you know, prosecuted as pedophiles, uh, from people, you know, the lows of lows to people that you help through a situation where their career was pretty much on thin ice and you coach them out of that situation and you, and you hold them accountable and you get them out of that rut. Uh, or people that have family members who are, you know, facing life and death or facing death pretty much staring at it in the eyes and, you, and you, you coach that member and you help them through their circumstances and 
luckily their family member comes out of that situation and you see them, you know, happy once again, healthy. Um, so a lot of the memories and the things you deal with, the, you know, as an NCO, senior NCO, as a first sergeant, et cetera, uh, those things I, I'll take with me, you know, to my grave in essence, uh, the highs and the lows. But most recently, right before I arrived here, at, before I left Ramstein and got into Fairchild, I had a teammate commit suicide. Somebody who I worked uh, very closely with, about two weeks out prior to our departure from Ramstein, he uh, committed suicide. We had to respond to his house, myself, the headquarters first sergeant, and we had to help that family through that situation, navigating through the emotions, the, getting all the care agencies coordinated. Um, and it wasn't, uh, to say the least, it was a, a very sad, uh, trying experience for all of us. Uh, somebody you work day in and day out with, very closely with, uh, had some issues going on that nobody in the workplace knew about, obviously, because he put on a different face at work, uh, and something was going on at home that was impacting him to that to that point where he took his life. Uh, and, it, and it gets really real in a hurry, and, and it hurts bad, and it still hurts to this day. I still have, you know, I still think about it often. Uh, but those are things you that you uh, come across and deal with through the time, you know, the course of an Air Force career. But they're challenges. They're things that uh, situations that you have to uh, that you some of them you you, you can recover from. Or you can kind of deal with. And some of them they're always going to have in the back of your head, uh, and you can take that experience and, and kind of it just it sticks with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had a transition from this. It was pretty deep. It was pretty yeah. traumatic. Um, if you want to talk about you know taking some of the bad and, and letting it refine you and, and turning a, a challenging experience into a rewarding one. Um, I can tell you that, uh, I don't know, case in point comes, uh, let's see here, 2015, I was fixing to leave uh, Lake and Heath, um, and I was, at the time I was a senior master sergeant uh, who was being considered for promotion to chief, right? First time I'm eligible for chief promotion. Uh, we had a pretty successful run at Lake and Heath. Our flight was named best in the command we, uh, in 2013. We also had an inspection that year, and we pretty much aced it that pretty well, picked up a bunch of outstanding performers. Um, that same year, we also have multiple, you know, wing level award winners, quarterly award winners at the wing level. Um, it was also the same year that I was fortunate enough to be recognized as the best in the Air Force for my particular AFSC. Uh, I was the Lou Allen Logistics Readiness Senior NCO of the Year for the, for the Air Force. Uh, and I was also the wing Senior NCO of the Year for the 48th Fighter Wing. Pretty successful year, followed by another pretty good year in 2014 with more, you know, wing level, match come level accolades. Uh, coming to our flight, to our teammates there. Um, rolling to 2015, first year I'm eligible for promotion to chief. Uh, at the time, I've been in the Air Force 18 years. Uh, and, of course, all the discussion goes to, hey, who, who are we pushing for stratification? Who's going to be pushed for promotion? Uh, came to find out, hey, you didn't make the cut. You're like, we have four of you guys that we're looking at in the squadron. You're number, uh, I think you were number three out of the four. Uh, so we went to the group, and yeah, you, you just you, you weren't out in the cut. And the, the the logic or the discussion I was given was the feedback I was given was, hey, you're not in here. Basically, you've been in the Air Force 18 years. You don't need a strat right now. You're still pretty young in your career. Uh, yada yada. Basically, long story short, nothing you could have done. It's just a matter of the, the timing. You need to be kind of pay your dues a little bit longer. Uh, so first time going up for chief, I'm like, all right, it is what it is. Appreciate. I got some kind of feedback. Pretty much, yeah, you're. You can wait your turn. In essence, that's what it came down to. Uh, long story short, you know, I PCS to Langley. Uh, not gonna lie, I was kind of down in the dumps a little bit because I feel like I we worked our butt off at Lake and Heath 
for those three years and some change. Um, don't know what else I could have done performance-wise or education-wise or anything. You know, all those blocks were maxed out. Um, got to Langley, new opportunity, new job, new uh, mission that I've never been a part of. Uh, and I, the biggest thing I decided to do was, hey, I, that, that already happened at Lake and Heath. I don't control that anymore. It's out of my control. Uh, what I do control is my attitude and work ethic and how I go about my business here at, at Langley. Uh, so I got after it, you know, new job, new mission, new, new place. And I was, you know, my, my goal was to make a difference, to leave it better than I found it, to be proactive versus reactive and to be creative and to run with things. I wasn't going to wait for my boss to come tell me to do something. I wasn't going to wait for... Uh, Anybody to come question, hey, what, what are you doing, or, or what is going on, or, or be proactive with X, Y, and Z. I just wanted to get after it as soon as I could. Uh, so that was the focus, and that was the goal there, and that was the, the kind of the mantra I went into. Like, hey, I'm going to control my attitude and work ethic and get after it. Promotion testing came around. I studied, you know, for promotion tests, even though I kind of, in the back of my head, it was weighing on me. Like, I really don't have a shot to make, uh, to make chief. It's my first time testing. Uh, I'm not stratified. I don't think I'm going to be a contender. Uh, but I studied anyway, took my promotion test, and, and kept working, kept plugging away at Langley. Uh, well, fast forward a few months to December uh, of 2015, and next thing you know, chief results are out, and I'm getting told, hey, we need you to be here first thing in the morning. The wing commander's going to come by see you along with the command chief. Awesome. Uh, they came to notify me about a day or two early that, hey, you've been picked up for a uh, promotion to chief. Unexpected. Um, that year in my career, I promoted 15, 15 folks to chief. I was number 15 out of 15. I was the cut line. Um, had I given up and just completely gone in the dump and let those things that were out of my control impact me, I would have never studied for promotion. I would have completely blown it off because it was tempting just to do that. Like, hey, I don't, I don't want to invest any time in this. Uh, but I didn't. I, I took a little bit of time to study and prepare myself and, uh, and kept plugging away, uh, and it worked out. Next thing you know, we're being told, hey, you got picked up for chief. and. Uh, the bad news is, hey, we don't have any slots for you here at Langley, uh, so you had to PCS in about six months or so. So uh, I was pretty much only there for a year, a one-year tour at Langley. We were gone the following summer, which is good. We went to Florida. I can never complain about living in Florida uh, on the beach. But uh, had I let you know things that were out of my control influence my mindset, my attitude, and work ethic, I wouldn't be here right now uh, talking to you. Uh, so that's not, that's a. Uh, Something I can reflect on that situation where something that I thought at the time was gonna it was adversity actually we, we, we kind of managed through uh, managed through uh, through it and kind of kept our heads up and our work ethic level up and uh and it paid off on the back end. Now I can share that story with anybody and say, hey, I've been that person that's been told no. Basically, go sit down and wait, and if you control your attitude and work ethic and keep plugging away, good things will follow. The universe will pay it back to you. That's what something my, one of my uh, my soon-to-be-retired uh, colleague, uh, Chief uh, Jason Lowe, who's over uh, at USAFE now, F Africa, as the material management functional manager, used to tell me, if you do enough good things, the universe will come back to you and pay it, you know, tenfold. Awesome. Speaking of all that, just with trying to keep positive when you're told no, and just sometimes not being able to stand out, especially for our staff sergeants or yeah. tech sergeants, and maybe even some of our master sergeants, another way that maybe they can try to get themselves ahead. Did you do any professional development? Or Absolutely. Ever, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a big adamant believer in, uh, in professional development, not only developing yourself, but developing others. Um, 
So coming up to the, the ranks, I remember going to college and paying out of pocket. You know, I worked at Walmart part-time, picking up shopping carts. I worked at Winn-Dixie, the graveyard shift, stocking the shelves. And, uh, and I was going to uh, Miami, uh, Dade North Community College in Miami, Florida, which is, if anybody's from Miami, they know it's, you know, it's a local junior college, community college, you know, all there on 27th Avenue. Uh, and having to pay my kind of, sort of pay my way through college and take some, some Pell Grants to kind of pay for classes and all that. Coming to the Air Force, they tell me, hey, we'll pay 75% of your tuition. You know, when I first came in, it was 75%. You pay for your own books. I thought, that's a great deal. I'll take you up on it. So I was always kind of going to school and, and trying to take college classes and get myself together and, and get myself developed. Um, Adam and believer in that. Um, kept on working on it. Got my CCAF knocked out. Eventually got my bachelor's and, and my master's, my MBA. Awesome. Uh, in addition to some other certifications by using, you know, GI Bill, uh, Air Force Cool, which is completed a course last year on using Air Force School uh, to become a, a resiliency, uh, a master resiliency uh, trainer in essence, or it's called the, the Master Resilient, resilient Leader uh, Leadership Building uh, Trainer in essence. So through Air Force School, I did that. It's kind of a, you're kind of a coach, a professional development coach in, in essence. Uh, so I'm a big believer in always seeking to get better and most importantly, paying it forward. So the things you learn in school, the things you're learning through these certification courses, uh, how are you paying it forward? How are you implementing those things on, on your job? How are you using it to make the people to your left and right better? Um, and even if it can be something as simple as teaching professional development courses, um, I was big on doing that at, at Lake and Heath during my time there. I had a pretty good connection with our career advisor there. Um, a little bit at Langley, I was only there for that year. Uh, at Eglin too. Um, I'm always trying to teach or provide something of value to the people to my left and my right and to their to their airmen um, that I have a chance to influence and impact. So you got to take advantage of it but you got to pay it forward too. I agree. How about any books? Have you read anything good? Yeah anything I, absolutely. I, I was an avid reader for the most part. Um, I don't have the time anymore to sit down and read books. So I do a lot of audibles now. Um, the audible books. Anything Brene Brown puts out is worth reading if you ask me, so take a look at that. One book in particular that made a big impact on me that I, I kind of utilized in my previous role and this role now is a book called Legacy by uh, the, author na uh, the author's name is uh, James Kerr. It's about the New Zealand All Blacks. I read it about two years ago, 2019 I read this book, and it goes into some of the concepts and, and leadership um, kind of the, the, the way they go about their business in the New Zealand All Blacks. If you don't know about the All Blacks, they're like the most winning, you know, rugby team in the world. Uh, really the most winning franchise, if you were to look at their record. Uh, and it all has to do with the way they, they their approach they take to leadership, to team building, and to kind of taking care of, of, of the team dynamics internally. Uh, so that's one of the books that made a big impact on me, their approach to success and to winning. Uh, and a lot of the principles, uh, that are discussed in that book, I apply to my day-to-day -day professional life uh, in general. So definitely worth reading, Legacy, take a look, take a read. Also the Go-Giver Leader uh, books, it's phenomenal. Um, there's another one I read, it's called uh, Don't Just Mark Up My Paper, Show Me How to Get an A, in essence. <laughs> so those are all good books, but Legacy is by far uh, one that I, uh, that I always lean on or, or look to apply uh, day in and day out. What am I learning now? Let me look in here. I just threw some audibles. There's a book I keep on my desk too by uh, 
It was ran by Mike Tyson's. Uh, Mike Tyson, you know, the boxer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, his, uh, the guy that, Gus D'Amato, the guy that took him in and adopted him. And, uh, and it has a lot of the quotes and stuff, uh, leadership quotes, etc. Yeah, I think they were talking about that in FTAC, uh, Sergeant Barrett and some of the airmen. Yeah. We're talking about that. Customato. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of his quotes I really like, it says, uh, champions don't wish and want. <laughs> yeah. They just, yeah they were I mentioned that to them. Like, they, isn't, they don't wish and want. They just go get it done. They just go get They use those wishes and wants as fuel to get the stuff they got to get the stuff, the stuff they got to get done done. Uh, so I keep that on my desk. And uh, I think it's a great quote. Uh, but it came from a guy that, you know, a, an old boxing trainer or coach in essence uh, so I have a whole book of his quotes that I keep on my desk I found that fascinating I mean he literally took Mike Tyson off the street yeah. and changed his whole life took him up to the Catskills to New York upstate New York and just completely reprogrammed his brain and got him focused on boxing uh, let me see here we can talk about some of the stuff we got going on on base right now too if you want Sure. some of the um, big focus areas here yeah, I know we just had the depot come online not too long ago. Hopefully more airmen are able to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know how, I think we both lived in the dorms at some point in our career. Right. Um, over at Milton Hall, those dorms are older than I think the United States might be. Yep. So having a nice area for them to go as right. their, their, their day rooms are getting created. Right. So multiple initiatives ongoing right now on base. I know we have the Red Morgan Center and the Elder House are, are currently shut. We did get approval for a $5 million emergency fund request from uh, AMC and the Air Force CE Center uh, to fix the roof, right? To make it compliant right now as a safety hazard. Um, we're worried about a roof collapse. Uh, we had a, an assessment done by a, a legitimate, you know, off-base uh, civil engineering agency that came out and took a look at our roof. Uh, it was late last year, uh, and they recommended we evacuate the building, that we don't let anybody in there, basically. So we had to shut it. Uh, we did have to lobby pretty hard and campaign pretty hard with AMC uh, to get the funding approved for $5 million to get this done sooner than later. Uh, so the plan is to have our repairs, uh, put the contracts out for bid here. We're doing it right now. Hopefully we'll have a contract set up by the first week of April. They can start work on the building potentially over the summer, you know, uh, and the goal is to have the building, the Red Morgan Center, Alder House, all that stuff open back up by the fall of 22, if not sooner. Uh, so that's in motion right now. In the meantime, we need a place to go hang out, especially when it's cold out. We need a place for airmen to go blow off some steam, uh, connect with other airmen, have fun. Uh, so we spent about $30,000 plus to get uh, what we call the depot. Uh, opened up and running. We had to revamp an older building, put some things on the wall, uh, revamp a bunch of work, uh, office spaces in there. Uh, we have that as our community center annex. So we have our food pantry, our airman's attic, our trip store. Uh, we have the Boomer's Airman's Lounge there that has video games, uh, a golf simulator. Um, you can also get drinks there. We have massage chairs and we have virtual reality gaming in there too at the Boomer's Lounge. So we put a lot of stuff into that building. Uh, to give people a place to go and hang out. Um, and I'm going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit here. If you want to take your kids over there, okay. uh, especially during the work week when nobody's using the place, feel free to do that. So I have kids at home. I have an 11, uh, a 9, and an 8-year-old at home. Uh, and they've been bugging me to go over there and do some VR gaming. So I'm letting the cat out of the bag a little bit. You can take your kids over there. Nobody's going to turn you away. Okay. Uh, especially during the daytime when you know most people are at work, et cetera. 
Is and there they, an age limit or kind of suitable? Just, just go with your kids. Okay. Yeah, it's as long as, I mean, nobody's going to turn you away as long as you're watching them and you're with them and you can monitor what they're doing. Uh, so I'm letting the cat out of the bag a little bit, but nobody will turn you away. We took the signs down. They used to be 18 and over. That was the, But we do want a place for everyone to go so they can still go out there. Maybe in the evenings is not the best time to take your kids over there because people want to go and adult and, and have a drink, relax. But uh, if you're bored, if you're at home, you know, uh, and the kids are out of school or something's going on and, and they're doing virtual schooling and you have a break in between, uh, they can buy the depot and check it out. Used to VR equipment, used to games over there and get them out of the house and you know, get them out there to uh, socialize a little bit. Um, so we spent over 30 grand on that, on that facility to get that up and running. It's located in between um, our outdoor rec shop and our wood shop. You'll see the sign says the depot. It's all a one-stop shop. You know, like I mentioned, we have the food pantry, the airman's attic, the thrift store. Our ITT office is in there too. Uh, our WIC office is in there. We have a USO. Uh, first time we ever had the USO presence here in Fairchild. So we have a USO office set up there. Uh, so a lot of things to do, a lot of things to go uh, and get involved in at the depot. And uh, I was there last Friday, and I just noticed that um, we have a lot of our uh, one Fairchild or clubs here uh, going, our social clubs going. So we have a crochet club, we have a gaming club, we have all kinds of coding clubs. You know, you name it, we got it. Running clubs, we have all that going right now as far as you know, social clubs and connection avenues for our folks. And the crochet club was in there having a meeting at the depot. They had a nice little conference room in there that they're using to have their get together. Ladies were in their crochet, and I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Gave them a big shout out. Um, so along those lines of connection and resiliency, um, if you haven't been to the Fertile website yet, you can go on there right now, and you'll see uh, there's a tab in there that goes into all of our social clubs. So we have about 27 clubs on base, or social clubs on base set up. Um, that you can uh, be a part of and they're free. So if you have a, uh, if you like to run, if you like to, uh, I don't know, uh, go scuba diving, crocheting, like I mentioned before, if you like to do uh, gaming, coding, etc., cetera, uh, you can find all that info uh, on the Fairchild website and you can also find it on the one Fair, on the Air Force Connect app under the Fairchild page. Uh, all the info is in there for all our clubs uh, and you can get connected with people uh, that have similar interests or hobbies as you. We want you to be out and about to build a connection, uh, and that's part of making the base uh, and really creating a culture people want to be a part of, one where people are connected, where they feel like they're not alone, and where they feel that they can you know, come out and, and get to meet other people with similar interests and build a resiliency network through that. So if you look under the Information tab on the Fairchild Air Force Base website, you'll see a link in there that says Fairchild Clubs. You click on it, uh, and all the club info will come out. Chess club, climbers, coding, crochet, cybersecurity, cycling, dart throwers. There's a firearm uh, group, a club. There's a frisbee golf club. There's a gamers paradise. There's a gaming club, uh, table, ping pong. Uh, there's a wrestling club. There's a soccer club. Fairchild running club, which I'm a part of. Um, all kinds of stuff. Ultra running, underwater explorers, which is scuba diving, theater club, tabletop, etc. All kinds of stuff for you to get into if you're assigned to uh, the Team Fairchild. Uh, along those lines, we're also getting after the dorms, right? You mentioned the dorms, you know, um, there's a lot going on. Uh, we spent about 20, we put about $24,000 into uh, our day rooms in our dorms. We have four day rooms that we're revamping. And uh, each of them is going to have a different theme. We'll have a media room, we'll have a spa room, we'll have a workout room. Uh, and I want to say uh, there's another one that I forgot. I think it's going to be more of a gaming room. Uh, Etc. So those day rooms are going to get 
you know, they're getting painted, they're getting new furniture put in, equipment going in there. And we're also working on getting, uh, eventually we'll get um, cameras set up in the common areas for security and safety reasons uh, and all that set up. So uh, a lot of money is going to the dorms. Uh, it's a focus, areas, uh, a focus area for us. Quality of life and quality of service is uh, something that we're always looking at and always looking to improve on. You know, quality of life. Mm -hmm. I didn't even notice that the smoothie shop and the BX closed down. Yep. But you guys had mentioned it the other day, and then I was in there the other, or I think yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I saw that it was gone. It's gone, yes. Do we know what we're going to put in there? Because another way we like so, to connect is eating. That's a great question you brought up. And I had a good meeting a few weeks back with our awesome uh, AFI's general manager, uh, Mr. Jimmy Burris. And, and he is working diligently on getting a new vendor to move in there. He, he is working or looking for somebody who can deliver food on base, somebody who can come in, set up shop. You know, I don't know what kind of food it will be. I don't know if it will be pizza or, I don't know, sandwiches, et cetera. But he would like to have that option where they can deliver food. If you live in the dorms or if you live on base housing, they, you can call you know, the food service, whatever moves in there, and they'll deliver some food to your front door. So that's what he's looking, looking for. Of course, there's challenges involved with that because, you know, cost of operating a business in Washington is a little bit higher than it is in Idaho. So we have a lot of folks that, you know, businesses that are based out of Idaho and they got to figure out the pay. Minimum wage pays a little bit higher here. It's 1390 here in Washington in comparison to like seven and some change in, in Idaho. So he's looking pretty hard and he's working pretty hard to get a new partner to move in there into that uh, into that opening there. Uh, I do know the burrito shop is doing pretty good. We have a burrito shop on base that does pretty well. Uh, I heard the barbecue shop's also doing pretty good. I haven't had a barbecue here yet on base, but I had the burritos, and I thought they were pretty good. Um, then again, I, I spent a lot of time in Tucson at Davis Mountain, so I got a little bit spoiled over there with the Mexican food. Uh, but the burrito was pretty good, uh, so I went over there and checked it out. Uh, not bad at all. Uh, so we are working on getting a new vendor to move into where the smoothie shop used to be located. Awesome. I know. I know it's been hard to keep that section filled for some reason, so hopefully yeah. third time's a charm at least since I've been here. <laughs> Copy that. And then we also have our, uh, our Thomas Hammer coffee shop here on base, yes. which now you can go in there and sit down and have a coffee. I think they have some food too on the menu, mm -hmm. I want to say. Yep. Uh, one thing I am going to circle back with our, our AFIS team is operating hours for our shop at. I know a lot of our string shift folks, they come into work and the shop that closes, I want to say they close the doors, is it a... Six or seven, I think. I think yeah. it's, yeah, I think it's a little bit, the shop bed, I think they're open till 20, 100 hours, but I'm okay. not sure. Uh, but I want to circle back and have a conversation about, you know, can we at least try some expanded hours, at least during exercises, et cetera, because I want to give our swing shift workers uh, a little bit more time or a little bit more options here on base uh, for food, et cetera. Uh, I know Jimmy did mention they're working on, on Burger King. The Burger King on base closes early. I think they've been closing early because of COVID, and they're going to expand their hours now. And they're looking to hire more staff to make that a possibility. So they want to have the doors open a little bit longer to at least keep you that option on base. Uh, of course, it's a challenge getting businesses here on base because the airway heights and everything being right there outside the gate. Uh, so it's got to be a business that, you know, that's not available right at the gate, and it's got to make sense financially for them if they want to come in here and set up shop on base. Uh, I did ask about Popeyes. Because <laughs> That's one of the hot topics I always get asked about, hey, can we get a Popeye's on base? Uh, so it comes up pretty often. Um, I, did, I did hear from him that, you know, a, a new build-outs won't be happening uh, anytime in the near future because he's, he, he's advocating himself uh, for a new Popeye's to come on base, uh, our, 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 our yeah. BX general manager, AFI general manager is. Uh, so he's advocating as often, as early as he can, or as often as he can, to uh, higher headquarters. 
Um, but I don't think we'll have a, a Popeyes here, not and then and then not at least till 20, 2023 or later, uh, if it does happen at all. Um, so it's going to be a few years before we have any new build outs going up. Uh, but we're advocating, we're trying, we're trying to influence everything we can. Some things we can control, some things we can influence. Uh, the things without our control we can take care of, and the things that we can influence, we just keep talking it up and advocating for. We appreciate you and Colonel Bentley trying so hard to bring more yeah. went to Team Fairchild. I know Team Fairchild's working hard for you. So I guess we can maybe just get to the last couple of questions and now knowing a little bit about you, yeah. your priorities, it seems like priorities are basically anything that affects airmen, which we really, really appreciate. Yeah, pretty straightforward. It's airmen, his mission, and his culture. And it's simple and it's straightforward. And, and, and it's, it's pretty much something we're passionate about. We're passionate about, you know, airmen. Uh, and we, we're laser-focused on mission. And, uh, and we're committed to making uh, Team Fairchild a, a culture that everybody wants to be a part of, uh, inclusive, connected, uh, and all on the same page. Yes, sir. Are there a couple of takeaways you want to leave our listeners today? Uh, takeaways, I guess, you know, the, the, you know, to go back to something I mentioned earlier, but, you know, attitude and work ethic, you know, attitude and work ethic, you know, you get anything done if you have the right attitude uh, and a ferocious work ethic. And I'm a solid believer in that. That's um, been the, the formula that's worked for me throughout my career. Uh, coming into the Air Force, you know, barely made it into the, the Air Force. I had a, a pretty low ASVAB score, but I got in the Air Force. They let me in, and uh, it's been uh, off to the races ever since. And, and the one thing that's been consistent is maintaining a good attitude, a positive attitude, a get-to-yes type attitude and demeanor, and, uh, and, a, and a relentless you know, work ethic. You know, uh, I learned that early on coming into the, when I went through MEPS, I remember this to this day, I still remember this uh, experience in the Air Force and the military in general. The person that swore us in at MEPS, uh, this major, he was in the Coast Guard, he told us he started off his career as a cook on a ship, as an enlisted cook. Uh, and the military provided him the opportunity, no matter where you start, no matter how, you know, your background, you know, where you come from, how your life started, et cetera, it doesn't matter. You come in the door and you work hard and you have the right attitude, you can make something of yourself. Uh, and that story stuck with me. He started off as an enlisted cook on a ship and now he's a commander at a MAPS, uh, an officer, you know, in the Coast Guard. Uh, and that stuck with me, uh, and that's true. Uh, I mean, it's been true for me in my career, at least. Uh, right attitude, uh, can do, find a way to yes. It's easy to say no sometimes and to set up for no. Uh, it just takes a little bit of effort and creativity to get to yes. We can do this if, you know, we can get to yes if. If we want to assume this risk, if we want to acquire, if we can acquire this resource, we can get to yes. Uh, don't just settle for the quick, fast, easy no. Uh, there's always a way to yes. Um, and work ethic. You know, I'm not the smartest person in the room by any means. I'm not the, the most savvy, the most well-spoken, the most polished, etc. Uh, but nobody's going to outwork me in the room. I'm going to outwork you, you know, nine times out of ten. At least that's my goal. Uh, I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to out-hustle, and I'm going to just get after it um, to get to yes and whatever the task at hand is. Uh, that's the takeaway I can give you. Control those things. Attitude and work ethic, you know, well within your control. Awesome, Chief. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. You've hit the ground running since day one. Um, it's been a fast two months, right? Two and a half months? That's it? That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I made a difference yet. I guess we'll see. I, my boss always tells me, hey, you're doing great. It's like, oh, I haven't done nothing yet. I feel like I haven't, we haven't done enough yet. And uh, 
but I don't know. We'll see. Someday, you know, my time here will come to an end, whether it's 18 months, 24 months, who knows, and I'll look back and, uh, and I'll take inventory of what's, what's happened, what's been accomplished. And sometimes you don't even get to, you know, you take inventory and you, there's a few things that are still in motion that you set, you know, in motion uh, that you plan to seed for, and you might not even get to see it. You know, it might be another two, three, four years before they come to fruition. But the key thing is leave it better than you found it. And I take a lot of pride in that, and, uh, and that's what I look back on, and that's what really lasts. The legacy is your people. Who do you impact? Who do you influence? Who do you make better? And, and what got fixed and, and what got left in better hands uh, because of you and your influence and your time? Okay, Chief. Well, thank you so much again for being with me today, and hopefully this is the last one. Well, let's do it again. What do you mean that <laughs> was the last one? Let's do it again. <laughs> let's run it again. All right. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank you. All right, everyone, that wraps up another Refuel Team Fairchild episode. If you guys have show ideas, people you'd like to hear from, or even would like to join me on an episode, please send an email my way. You can email me at 92fss.fsdp.fairchildcaa at us.af.mil. All right, you guys have a spectacular day. <laughs>